During the original recording of that Robin Smith game scene, I conducted several interviews with multiple people. While these interviews are featured in many episodes, a large amount of each interview cannot be featured due to time restrictions. These bonus episodes feature entire uncut versions of each interview with each guest and are here as supplemental to the shows themselves. Please understand that some of these episodes interviews were recorded several months ago. Uh, my name is Sophia Tong, and I'm a managing editor at GamesRadar.com. What's the earliest memory you have with regards to video games? My first memory of video games was this game called Beast. It was like an ASCII game on my dad's work computer. He went to his office and kind of do my thing on his computer because he was busy working. He was like, here, entertain yourself. And this game was literally like I played this dot and I was moving yellow blocks. This is back when monitors only had two colors. I was moving these blocks, and you're trying to squish H's, which were the beast, I think, at the time. There was no story. So that was basically what I was doing. I mean, that's my earliest memory of playing video games. And then um, I think after that, it's like it's when I was introduced to like an Atari and then Nintendo, and it all just kind of went downhill from there. What was the first game you remember playing religiously that, that was... Um, an addiction or, or that you would travel to go play in an arcade or visit a friend's house or that you just played for extended periods? The game that was really addictive to me was when I was a kid and uh, my mom would go to shop somewhere and she would take me in an electronic section where they would have a Nintendo with Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers. Of course I picked Super Mario Brothers. And I would play that for as long as she would shop, and I would ignore all the people waiting in line trying to play it. And I remember, you know, not really being familiar with the controller, but I would just go back and get further and further each time. And back then, when you die, it's like, okay, well, okay, let me get further next time and keep going. I don't think I actually made it to the point where I finished the game standing there in the electronics section, but that was the game that I was, I knew that this is what I wanted to do in my spare time. And I begged my parents to get me a Nintendo, so um, I want to say Super Mario Brothers was probably the one for me that got me hooked. How much begging did it take? It was quite a bit, a bit of begging because back then consoles were expensive. At least, you know, I didn't get my parents didn't have a lot of money growing up, so I was really limited uh, in terms of funds. So it's like had to wait until either there was some kind of sale or there was a way to get some kind of discount or whatever it could take or save up my own birthday money to help buy it but um, eventually my parents caved and got me one because I wouldn't stop. But I had a younger brother too who really wanted it so between the two of us <laughs> and non-stop begging it worked. When did you first become aware of games being something that was uh, more mainstream, not mainstream as a no, mainstream pastime, but that was in more of a public eye. Say you realised for the first time they were in magazines, or first time you saw them as something advertised on television. It's funny because I didn't. I mean, I watched TV a little bit growing up, but I actually don't remember a lot of the game commercials. I 
and maybe I just don't remember them now, but I did have a subscription to Nintendo Power, so I knew that games were a big deal. And a lot of my friends back then, which is funny because I think I had more friends back then playing video games with me, especially a lot of my female friends, because we'd all be playing Mario. Like, we'd go over to each other's house and try to, you know, beat all the levels. So even back then in the, I guess, late 80s, I felt like, oh, everybody played video games. And it wasn't even until, I think for me in the 90s, where it kind of felt like it dropped off, like only very specific people played games. So yeah, for me, I thought it was already mainstream when, um, like back in the late 80s, when it was all about Mario. How do you think games, or the games industry, uh, comes across to the public today? And does it represent itself in the best way? Let's see. Well, video games has come a long way. I think for the public, they realize that, I mean, I talk to my friends who don't play games and I kind of skip, try to see it from their point of view because being immersed in the industry kind of gives you a kind of skewed point of view. So for them, they see the Nintendo, Nintendo still being this very family oriented, um, something that everyone can play. They still see a lot of that, but then they're a little more turned off by the more hardcore games like Grand Theft Auto. I mean, some people still bring up the Grand Theft Auto controversy like to this day. And I'm like, games have, you know, moved beyond that. And sure, there are M-rated games out there, but it doesn't mean that all games are like that. And, you know, we are trying to push the medium in this industry, but there is still some kind of like that misconception because I think for advertising dollars, a lot of people are focused on the big games that are going to sell. So you obviously you're going to get the Call of Duty, you're going to get the Rockstar games, and those may not have the greatest appeal, like mass appeal. I mean, they have great appeal to a hardcore gamer, but to like a mom with two young kids, maybe not so much. Does the mainstream press and media know how to start talking about video games? I've seen some articles you know, from the mainstream press, you know, trying to approach video games and maybe doing, like, top lists and kind of covering, like, some of the big games, which, you know, people in the enthusiast press would agree with. So I think they're trying to raise that awareness. And, like, especially with, like, these award shows, um, I feel like, you know, they're trying, but it just depends on, like, the kind of people that, you know, want to read that. Again, there are very different audiences. I mean, there are audiences that are parents buying games for their kids who may not necessarily know anything about games. So, I mean, from what I've seen in the mainstream, it just seems sort of a watered-down version of what the enthusiast press has been covering. They'll do reviews, but they don't go as in-depth, but they'll only select, like, certain games that would be more high-profile or that they find the mainstream audience would be interested in. So, I, I still think there's room, although I don't... I just... I'm not really too familiar with that audience and what they want to read. I mean, are they more interested in the day-to-day news more so than like the entertainment section do they want to know what to eat tonight versus like oh what games are out so Hmm. what impact do you feel video games had on your development and your life and how different a person do you think you'd be if they didn't exist oh gosh i think video games have a huge 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 impact on my life and not just um me wasting away hours playing on the nintendo but when i got to high school, when the internet happened, I started getting into MUDs, which is our multi-user dungeons. They're essentially MMOs, but text-based. It's just entirely text-based typing MMOs. And I was immediately hooked, and I would spend probably more time playing that than going to school, doing homework. And I was, I almost 
flunked out of high school thanks to the internet and these games because I had no way of moderating myself, which is why I avoid MMOs now because I know if I play an MMO, I won't play anything else. So for me, it's like I played a lot of MMOs. I also played all... I didn't play as much console games at the time. I played a lot of PC stuff, but a lot of my friends played video games and I actually felt close to you know a lot of the people that I meet who are gamers so we talk about like all this gamer stuff so I felt like it really shaped you know the kind of friends I hung out with and it's funny because like my childhood friend like early childhood like they kind of grew out of video games and stopped playing so then my you know it's kind of like the demographic change so it's like instead of having all my girlfriends playing games with me it suddenly became all my guy friends playing games with me so that was pretty interesting and I've met like some of the most important people in my life through video games so, yeah, in my career, I mean, I, my dad used to yell at me and be like, you know, if you keep playing video games all day, you are never going to get a job. You are never going to do anything important in your life. So you need to figure out something and stop now. And I actually quit my last year of high school. I stopped playing games and I was like, OK, I need to pass. I need to get good grades. And, you know, I I did well. I got my I got a scholarship, went to university, eventually took many years to finish because I didn't know what I was doing. But. The day I decided that I was going to be a video games journalist and that I knew that you can make a living out of this, I decided to go back to school, study journalism, and, and pursue the games media. And that's where I am today. And I, you know, my life would be entirely different if it wasn't for video games. I honestly don't even know what I would be doing. Do you think games are a viable form of entertainment when compared with other mediums like film and music? Oh, absolutely. Like, do you mean, like, just instead of film and music? Oh, uh, when considered on the same merits. Level? Mm. Film and music. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone has their own hobbies. I mean, back then, when video games weren't in every or most people's households, you know, people were watching probably more movies or still listening to music, reading books. I know that I probably read less thanks to video games because I get a bit of everything when I'm playing a game. I get my music, get my reading, some TV things. So I actually don't really watch TV or read as much as I should. But um, I definitely think it's a valuable source of entertainment. Do you feel that games have grown? Yeah, I definitely think games have grown and they are constantly growing. And games are constantly growing. I still, I'm a big fan of video game music, so just seeing how that has evolved from like you know the chip tune kind of MIDI style stuff to like live orchestra, like it's just amazing. It's like having a concert in your own home, and the visuals and the narrative and just kind of pushing those boundaries. And I know there's like a big debate with video games being art and all that, but you know a good example recently with Journey coming out, I think a lot of people are looking at it from a different perspective because it's not about guns shooting, winning or losing. It's about this experience and it shows that this medium can do a lot more than just be like, okay, get to the end of the level or, Oh wait, you didn't die or you did die. Like get this checkpoint. It's, it's less mechanical. So it's growing in different ways. And I think it's a really exciting time to be in video games right now. In what directions would you personally like to see the medium move and grow? I would love to see developers take chances on their games. I mean, I grew up playing a lot of point-and-click games, adventure games, and a lot of puzzle. The things that require you to use your brain, had a good story, great visuals, very artistic. I just, I mean, personally, I like those kind of games, and I like games that, you know, 
at the end, you'll think about it and maybe just tell a friend. It's like, oh, you should check this out. Like something to share that experience with. I think for me, it's like I feel like the industry is saturated with like a lot of games that are kind of the same. Like you get these sequels, and it's like, oh, it's great. Like they're all good, but it's just more of the same. It's like I want to see more games like Journey, Flower, like things that change the way we view video games and things that actually you know test us. And I think it's really exciting right now with all these indie developers. You know, working on projects that don't need to be these big budget AAA titles. So I think it's going in a good direction. What I'm really curious about is how free to play comes into play with everything, because that is something that's growing here in the U.S. And it would be interesting to see how that changes and how that would encourage developers to approach games a certain way. Because at GDC, I was talking to a developer that was doing console games and then decided, nope, going to do online free to play because. That's what they want to do, and they feel more rewarded by it, and that's what that audience wants, and it's a bigger audience. So,、hmm. I'm curious to see how it goes, but I would personally like to see more of the games that I want to play. I mean, don't we all? But I want to see people taking more chances and like pushing the medium and being creative. Talking of creativity,、um, can video games ever be considered of the same cultural value as film, art, or theater? Absolutely. Video games is interesting because it's interactive. On top of all that, you are combining like acting because you have voice actors in games now. You're combining visuals, you know, CG visuals, things that you'll see in a movie. And if you look at games like Heavy Rain, it's almost like watching an interactive movie. So it's like it's all those mediums combined into one, which I think is fantastic. And you have all these talented people working on it. So I think it should be. Comparable to you know the media like the, all the stuff that we are used to, and I'm still kind of surprised that it hasn't been acknowledged yet because you know video games have come a long way. It's like I wonder if the people who you know don't can really don't really consider it some kind of、um, entertainment medium. It's like, are have you played a game lately? It's、mm. I mean everyone must have played a game at some point, and it could be anything as simple as like solitaire on your computer or you know Mass Effect, but、um, they both have value. With that in mind, this this seems to have come up a lot lately in other discussion areas. So I wanted to address it. Do games have to be fun? No, I don't think games need to be fun. But it depends on what a person would describe fun as. If the developer can make a game that's not fun, that's really their business. If they feel like there's an audience that likes a game that isn't fun and it's just frustrating. <laughs> Or that it's a challenge. Maybe there are people that like that.、Um, are you re- particularly referring to、um, Jonathan Blow? I, I know it's come up with him, but、um, yes. it's been talked about in a, a few other areas as well.、It、seems to be a recurring theme at the moment. Yeah, I personally play video games because they are fun. They provide a, you know, it's a form of entertainment for me. If it stops being fun, then I don't really want to do it. I don't want to play a game that's a chore. So I'm not. So sometimes I'm not really sure if people don't, you know, go towards funs. Like, what are they going for? Have you ever felt that playing a game could have an adverse effect on your emotional or physical well-being without your knowing? Uh, no. I usually am quite aware that me playing and sitting at a computer for eight hours a day, or in front of a TV, will have negative effects on my health. That is something I've always known, and it doesn't mean that I'll stop. But I've, I've gotten better as I've gotten older, as I don't have that kind of luxury. But no, I do. 
for me personally, I feel like I, if there are any negative impacts to my gaming, it's because I can't moderate myself or control my habits. Have you ever spent more time than you should on a game? And Oh, yes. <laughs> and are games addictive? Oh, I've definitely spent way more time than I should. I don't even want to know how many thousands of hours I put into that mud when I played on it. But games can be addictive, but just like any hobby or anything that you do can be addictive. If I'm really hooked on a TV show, I'll sit in front of the TV and watch it for several episodes at a time. So it really, it's like self-moderation. I don't think games are any more addictive than any other medium. It's like when I get hooked on a book, I want to sit there and read it until I'm done. It's just, I think it depends on the individual's personality and like their habits and how well they can control what they do. Do you think games are capable enough on a narrative or expressive level to create real emotional responses? Yes. I, video games has reached a point. Actually, it reached a point. Um, I feel like it even reached a point back in the Super Nintendo days. I mean, I think I cried over a Super Nintendo game before, and those are real emotions. <laughs> it's funny. Um, I mean, there are some games that are purposely all about emotion, like emotion, like a, the example of Journey. Like it's all about the experience and like your feelings, and I think that's what that game company is trying to do with all their games. It's about tapping those emotions that are otherwise untapped when you play like a shooter or something so yes i do believe that games can elicit real emotion from a player do games explore emotion with the depth they could or should for example beyond the the expected joy love fear but deeper range of emotions like terror and loss or desire and greed or jealousy um at this stage, no, I don't think games have tapped too deeply in terms of like the other spectrum. Um, I know that there are some that want to tap like the happiness and someone tap the competitive, like angry side of you or frustration or that, you know, whatever that energy it is that you need to play a violent game. But like in terms, like you mentioned, like some examples like jealousy and greed, um, I can't think of an example, but the last example that I can think of that did tap into, you know, themes like, you know, loss and grief. So To the Moon, this indie game on the PC, mm-hmm. I think it touched on topics where you really you really think about your own life once you're done with the game. And those are the kinds of games that I love because it means that it's touched you in a way where it's affected, like, how you perceive life and how you look at you know the people around you and immediately once I finished playing that game I really wanted other people to check it out because it's like it's not only a fantastic story it's got great music and the visuals are so you know cute and simple like it, it works perfectly but it's the content it's like a lot of people don't like a lot of the mainstream games you see today it's like a lot of it's for entertainment sometimes you got these mini game compilations like you're all for fun and that's fine but I do appreciate the games out there that do tap into these you know, the corners of your brain where, you know, you really think about, you know, love and loss and how that affects you and, like, all these deeper emotions that you probably normally don't want to, you know, go there. But I think I think it's important. I think it's great that people are kind of testing those waters. What do you think of the segregation we, as a subsection of the greater community, already that we are, impose upon ourselves within our group. For example, you own a PS3, I own an Xbox 360, so you're a dick. 
Um, I will never understand the mentality between gamers where there's some kind of entitlement or superiority because they own one console or another. Because for me, it has always been about the games. Like, I loved Super Mario Brothers. I knew it was always going to be on the Nintendo, but I was also a big Final Fantasy fan. And back then, they were on the Nintendo platform. But when, and I love Nintendo, but when I found out Final Fantasy, um, Square Enix made a deal with Sony and they were going to be on Sony platforms. I was like, oh, geez. Now I, I mean, for me, it was like, oh, I need to find the money to buy another platform. And it wasn't so much about like, oh, well, you know, there's some kind of rivalry between the two. It's like, I just want the games that I want on a platform that I can play. And luckily, now that I'm older and I can afford to buy every platform, that's what I do because I want to play the games I want to play. For me, the frustration comes from like the companies that can't just do everything cross-platform. Yeah, I just want access to be able to play the games I love. So I never understood the whole Xbox versus PS3. Like, is one better than the other? I'm like, they all have their pros and cons. So that I I don't I don't get it. Uh, do games corrupt people, and can they make children violent? No, I don't believe games can corrupt people because I can't think of a game out there right now that maybe wasn't banned, you know, from coming out that would uh, uh, be like have a negative impact on someone. Other than the fact that if they can't control their own, you know, personal life, you know, game balance, like that's more their problem, not the game. I don't think it causes children to be violent. I think if you know, children children see violence everywhere. if they have natural violent tendencies, they're going to act out regardless if they're playing video games or if it was taken away and they see it on TV or they read about it in a book or they see their friends in the playground or their parents. I mean, violence is everywhere, unfortunately, in our world. And I think it's kind of pointless to blame it on a certain medium. It's like we have to really, I mean, humans are violent by nature. So I think people need to look at the news to realize that. So I think, Pointing the blame else, putting the blame elsewhere is just kind of pointless. Do you feel the specialist press, be it professional or amateur, do enough to represent the industry, or more importantly, inform the general public? For the enthusiast press, I don't, because we're targeting our own audience. We mm. know what the gamer or hardcore gamer mentality is like, so we kind of cater towards them. I don't think there are too many like enthusiast press sites that really cater to the mainstream public because I don't think the mainstream public is going to come to one of those sites to read it unless they stumble upon it by accident. So I definitely think there is room there to maybe help educate people who maybe aren't so interested or who aren't following games as much as we are. But that, and then again, it's like, how do you reach that audience that just kind of doesn't care, <laughs> but you want to kind of educate them too and try not to shed such a bad light. And I think that's maybe up to the mainstream press to do it it's like you know there's a mass audience reading your stuff maybe you could throw in a mention there that video games don't cause children to go shoot people and things like that that'll be the day yeah Yeah, Um, (laughs) what does the term sandbox mean to you in the gaming terms or like literal terms? <laughs> uh, you wouldn't be the first person to use literal terms in answering this question. But, um, it's a box with sand? Uh, um, like for me, sandbox just means like a, a game that has the freedom for you to do whatever you want. It's like Minecraft, I think, is a great example. You are given this world and you can dig, you can build, you can do anything. 
and you can play the game how you want it to, how you want to. If there's no, there's nobody telling you what you need to do. I mean, there's certain things you need to do if you don't want to die, but I mean, even then, who cares? It's not like you're gonna have a game over screen at all. So for me, I think Minecraft's a good example of a sandbox game, and that's what I see a sandbox game or sandbox game being. What one game do you think has come the closest to representing true player freedom? True player freedom. One game? I would say Minecraft then. Hmm. Minecraft does give the player freedom to, you know, do what they like within the confines of that physical space. But with there are a lot of games out there that allow you to use like a level editor and creator and you get to share with the community and I think Minecraft's an excellent example and it not only extends to the game world, but even in real life situations, there are people using Minecraft as educational tools and you know layouts for city building and things like that because it, it is like a tool. Does narrative matter? It depends on the game you're trying to create, but personally, I think narrative does matter because for me, I if I'm going to sit down for a longer console experience, I want a good story to come out of it. But if I'm sitting there playing like words with friends, like that doesn't really matter. But I assume we're talking about the console experience. But for me, I like games with a good story because I also enjoy reading. I love watching movies. And I do those things because there's a story behind it and a good narrative. And so that's kind of what I look for in a game as well. Do you find that cutscenes or active narrative are more effective, for example, um, say a game like Red Dead Redemption, although it does show examples of active narrative, so probably a bad choice, but well-renowned for well-acted, uh, well-animated um, and believable characters and interesting cast that, that takes away control from you, or a game, conversely, like Portal 2, where these stories played out as you participate in the actions. Oh, huh. oh, gosh, it's a good question because I kind of like sometimes sitting back and letting the story play out for me because then I can, I know that that kind of defeats the purpose of the interactive video game if I'm not really interacting with it, but I like that break in between gameplay. It's like, I don't want to just be hacking and slashing at things like every now and then. It's like, I like a good story to show up, but um, I mean, both games are excellent and I think Portal... Portal does have a good way of incorporating you into the story, so I don't know which is more effective. I mean, I personally <laughs> like the lazy route where I kind of just sit back and watch. But again, Portal's story was fantastic, and you know, it's cool that you're a part of it. It's a, it's a good question. I don't know if I feel like one is better than the other. I think they both do what they do really well. Interesting. Um, what do you think is the most effective thing you've seen done? in games this generation? Not just Most narrative. effective? Yes. Oh. I think the ability to use the internet and connect with people socially I think is one of the best things that has happened. I used to be against it. I used to love couch co-op play because I played with my brother and sister growing up and I was really bummed when everyone just started playing online but now I realize that you know, now that more people are playing, it's like I can play with friends that don't live in the same city as me, and we can get online, start voice chatting, like either over Xbox Live or even through Skype, and then we can play a game together. And it lets you connect with people like from all over the world. And 
granted, I don't play with random people because I know what kind of mess that could be. <laughs> so it is great that I can play with friends online. So I think, you know, incorporating that social aspect. And games have always been very social. It's just now that, you know, it's using the internet and leveraging that, I think it's one of the um, best things that has happened to games. What motivates you to finish a game? Because I'm a big fan of storytelling and good narrative, usually if a story or the gameplay is good, I think if the game actually is telling a story, then I think that needs to hook me for me to, for me to finish the game. If the story isn't so great, I will probably get bored, and it's really tough for me to finish games these days. So I would need to have some compelling story in there. Otherwise, yeah, probably not going to happen. <laughs> With that in mind... Have external rewards like achievements, trophies, or, for example, uh, avatar and luckables and clothing ruined the experience? I don't think it's ruined the experience. I just don't think it has added much to it because I'm not an achievement junkie, nor do I care about trophies. I, I think it's just funny when it pops up. I'm like, oh, yay, achievement. I mean, who cares? It's like 10 points. What does that even mean? But I'm not super... I'm just not a very competitive person. So when people are always talking about getting these awards, I'm just, I just don't care. I almost pretend they're not there. I don't think it ruins the experience. I'm not so picky. It's like, oh my gosh, this thing popped up. It's just, you know, totally lost the... I'm not that entranced anyway. Like if something blings on, it's fine. I'm a multitasker. I can deal with it. But I, I don't think they've ruined the experience. I think it might have ruined maybe for some people who take it too seriously. It's like, you're not playing the game for the game anymore. You're playing it for the achievements, which is fine. But I think you might lose sight of like, okay, it's, it's not about just, you know, getting that crazy stunt or whatever and getting those 10 points. But okay, if you want to do it, that's cool. Uh, versus or co-op? Marry one. Co-op. Oh, wait, what's the question? Between the two, which one? Versus or co-op, yes. Co-op, definitely. I love cooperative games. And the reason is... <laughs> I grew up playing games with my brother and my sister, so I, for me, video games has always been a very social thing and a very collaborative thing. It, we even played single-player games together. My brother would help me grind and level my characters in Final Fantasy, and then I would take over and do the story parts. <laughs> so it worked out. <laughs> Granted, I think I might have been using him in some ways, mm, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It worked out. So I love cooperative games. Like any game that lets you play. That's why it's like I didn't really get into shooters until I played Gears of War. I was like, wow, I can play with somebody. Granted, Halo, I know, was one of the, was also cooperative, but um, it's, it's tough. I understand like the technical limitations of doing a lot of big games like cooperatively, but I like playing. I'm, I'm a, I'm not like super social, but at home, if I'm playing by myself, it just seems a little sad. Or if I'm playing online even, but it's like, I like couch play, like a beat em up or something. If there's four people on a couch, it's, it's so much more fun than you trying to shoot the other person. Oh, granted, I do like shooting the other person in the face too. So there is room for both, but for me, I personally like co-op and like taking on missions together and beating something because it's more, it's more I don't know, positive, I guess. Because, again, I'm not super competitive, which is why I prefer co-op than versus. Last three questions, and yeah. you're free to take as much time as you need to think about sure. the others you're answering them. Personal favorite moment in games? 
personal favorite moment? Mm. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things you have to ask me like a few days in advance so I can, uh, um, because I forget sometimes. It's just like, I, I remember certain incredible moments. Like, I'm trying to think back of like my favorite games and, um, because if you ask me today, it's going to be different than an answer if I, um, if you asked me like last week. That's why I'm, but, why, why I spring it on you. I want it to be natural. I want it to just come from the gut. Yes. Okay, now, right now, I, because Journey has been on my mind and it was one of the last games I played and completed, I think that has, um, that's one of the most memorable experiences that I've had. The game is not that long and I think it's perfect because everything about that game was deliberate and felt in place. Like everything from the camera angles, like it's a gorgeous game, but it's not just because of the art and everything, but like everything was done, the music comes in at the right moments and everything's put together so well. And when you're sliding and gliding, like all that's just wonderful. And when you have someone join your game, like that whole experience is amazing. But I think the most memorable part was towards the end. Do you want me to go into detail? If you want to, that's, it's up to you. What was it? Would yeah, you so reading anything if you did? Do you feel? Oh, well, I don't know if I'm like spoiling it for people who are listening. <laughs> Let's just say Journey was one of the more memorable ones. Um, memorable experience. Like towards the end, like you get to this point and you're struggling and you're just. And this is when you realize I mean, the game's called Journey and you know the game's supposed to be about this journey to that mountaintop, but it isn't until like towards the end where you're like, this is what. It, it's like the big climax and that's. That's what it's all about. And you're like, oh my gosh, and everything's just done so well. And it's a really moving moment. Like, it's, it's not, it almost made me tear up. Like, I was actually almost in tears because I, I don't even know why, because it's not like, well, I mean, in, in some way, like, I guess you can view it as sad, but it's, it's just the way it was done. It's so, it's almost like the tears that it's so beautiful that they're crying because of it. And I think that's really rare. I mean, there are a few times where I can think of something where I'm so happy I'm crying. I think that would be one of them, which is why I think that game means a lot to me. Um, if I was going to pick another example, I think the last one where a game really touched me was To the Moon. And the music, I think, between that and the storytelling and what happened and the realization of what was going on, I was like, oh my gosh. Um, it's crazy to see how much a game can move you. And it wasn't even like I was sobbing or anything, but it touched me in such a profound way that I thought about it for the next I don't know how many days, and I'd be talking to people about it. It's those types of games that have the most memorable, like, they're most memorable to me because I will talk about it, and I will keep talking about it, and anyone who hasn't played it, I will tell them to play it, so. Mm -hmm. Most important game you have ever experienced? To me? Uh, It can be to you, or it can be your opinion to the industry. It's up to you. Okay. This is about oh. you. Oh, is it? <laughs> An important game. Well, I don't know. Is the, is the theme of this particular part like about the person or about the industry? Because I have different answers for both. You can answer with both if you want. Okay. So the most important game to me personally, I think, would be Final Fantasy X. When I saw that game, I thought it was incredible. It's the way I... I and nowadays when you see something with CG, you're like, oh, yeah, it's CG, it's pretty, whatever. But on the PlayStation 2, especially moving from the original PlayStation, I was just blown away by the sound, the visuals, um, the acting. 
I know some people have problems with the acting, but um, I thought that it was very moving, and I love, love the music. And it was because of that game. I actually looked into video game music, um, piano music. I played the piano growing up, and I kind of fell out of it because I just lost interest. But when I found out that there were sh- there was sheet music out there for video games, I got back into it, started playing piano, uh, got involved with all these like random fans and started writing for them and just started writing about video game music because I loved it so much and I just wanted to kind of share that love with everybody else. And that ultimately led me to write more about games, get interested in game music, and that led me to where I am today. I I honestly at the time was just writing for fun. I thought people just made their own little websites and just had fun writing about it, like a blog, like an extended blog with a forum. But, you know, knowing that you can make a career out of it and do something that you love, like, that was, like, life-changing for me. And I trace it back to Final Fantasy X because that kind of motivated me and really got me interested in game music and writing about games. So I owe a lot to that game, to Nobuo Iwamatsu, who did the score. Well, he did the first, the Xanarkin theme, <laughs> which was what I got hooked on. I know other people contributed to the rest of the score, but... His music I've always loved. Like back, like Final Fantasy IV was one of my favorite games of all time. Absolutely loved it, and it was mostly a lot of it was because of the music. So that was the most important game to me. As in for the industry, uh, oh gosh, it's so hard to say. There are so many awesome games there that you know, push the medium forward. And it's hard to say what's important and what isn't. It's like, is it important because it was popular? Is it important because it was different? Um, yeah, I don't know how I would answer that one. Then we can leave it at that. I think uh, Final <laughs> Fantasy does. I just, just had memories of the ending where he starts fading away and just... I know, just I cried. Feeling like, oh, no. yeah. And the thing, this funny thing is, like, I cried so much. I think I probably cried the most with that game. Mm. But it didn't leave that kind of thing, like, oh, I had to tell other people. Like, it wasn't as deep. It was just like, oh, this is a really sad moment, and I feel really bad for Yuna. But, you know, yeah. for games like Journey or To the Moon, it's like, it touches you in such a deeper level, so... Yeah. Uh, last question. Most important person or team working in the industry today, in your opinion? In my opinion? Um, see, that kind of falls in line with the most important game, because I'm still trying to think of, like, oh, what what developer out there that I think is... Well, right now, what I think is one of the more important developers or teams to look at is Double Fine with their Kickstarter um, thing that they just did because that kind of shows what the gamer community can do and what an independent developer can also do. They, I mean, Tim Schafer has made great games and Ron Gilbert's joined him and Monkey Island, The Secret of Monkey Island is like one of my all time favorite games. So for them, like they're definitely a developer that I am very interested in watching because I think I think it's kind of nice that they're kind of going around the whole publisher thing and creating a game that fans want. And the, and what I like is that, you know, Tim Schafer even mentions, like, huh, you go to a publisher and ask to do a point-and-click adventure game, and they just laugh at you. It's like, no, there are people like me, you know, I want a point-and-click adventure game. And I know Telltale's been doing it for a long time, but, you know, they have a way of doing it episodically, and it may not be, like, huge budget, but... 
I think what Tim Schafer and his team are doing is important, and it's, I want to, you know, I want to support them and see what they do because they're they're actually creating a game that fans want, and I think that is different. I mean, I think a lot of people obviously approach it and try to be like, okay, what do our fans want? They take the feedback. But this game is being started by fans and, and being created, and they're going to have this whole documentary like following fan feedback, and it's a very much back and forth. So I'm really curious to see how this turns out. Because granted, you know, a lot of people take fan feedback, and they may or may not listen to it. I mean, they'll just, you know, they'll do what they can, but they still have creative you know, control. Mm. But Double Fine's project is truly about the fans. So I think... It's a very important thing to keep an eye on, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs>